Hola, mi gente. So, we were going to start this podcast release way before Podcast Movement Evolutions 2020 in Los Angeles. Now, there's been a whole strategy that I've been going into a lot of my podcasts about how we're going to motivate and activate community. I just want to give a shout out to the road show I had before going to Podcast Evolutions out in Los Angeles this past week to the Modesto Women Tech Makers, to Corazon Consulting, to Noelle, who is the IBM partner, who's going to be on this podcast in a future podcast. All the Latinas that I saw out at Podcast Movement Evolutions, I want to give a shout out to mostly and foremost, you know, the BIPOC community creators and all the women podcasters, you know, of the Black community. We were all standing there in solidarity. And as an exhibitor, I felt very powerful with all of you being there present and all of us standing together to say we're here. We are here to activate community and bring presence to our voices. And this is the platform we are going to use. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom, where wisdom comes from everywhere. This is a podcast about generational wisdom shared to help build a bridge for future generations and to build stronger communities through education, technology, and health. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. So my guest today is Liliana Ademonje of Sabio.LA. She's a social justice entrepreneur and coming from an economic development background, also marketing, she found it important to find opportunities that empower the community. Her story is going to be really amazing in this podcast. Her husband is an industry veteran and co-founder of Sabio. And Sabio.LA is one of those motivators. So check them out. We're going to hear about their journey and what they're doing for Comunidad to scale up in technical education and also building wealth within the community. So let's get started and listen to the story of how we're activating community with Sabio.LA and Liliana Monje. Welcome to Latinas from the block to the boardroom, Liliana. I'm so happy to have you here and to talk about Sabio.LA, which is your business, your company, your building, comunidad through technology, empowerment, and training. And I love everything about it that I saw on your website and how we found each other through LinkedIn. So, I mean, everybody make a connection out there because, you know, this is the year 2022 where things are happening and it is all about connection and relationships. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You're welcome. We love it. We love it. And I wanted to talk to you specifically how we came together through LinkedIn was through another podcast of another woman. It was specifically Andrea Delgado Olson, who is doing Natives in Tech, and how women are building tech communities. Specifically, they're building training grounds for comunidad, right? I want to call them like technology camps. And you have boot camps for coding for women and also for veterans. And you're down in Los Angeles. But what I really want to know is how 
you started this business and why you started this business. Yeah, so I think you hit on a couple of items that are really important that I think is a little counterintuitive to people. So most people, when they think about technology, when they think about a profession in technology, the last thing that they think about is community and or interaction with people. And so it's wonderful that you're bringing to light the fact that people in technology are actually very community driven. So that's one of the myths that we should be busting Absolutely. so that we can open the door mm -hmm. for more women, for more veterans, you know, for anyone that is a problem solver, anyone that's creative, you have an opportunity to make your contribution in tech and to secure very meaningful employment and to get into a career trajectory that will make a massive difference in your life and the life of people that you care about. Right. I think that's wonderful because one of the things that I talk about on the podcast is wealth creation through technology. And some people are really on that train to really make that happen. But like you said, the door is not open wide enough. And how do we get more people in the door or how do we just get them on the pathway? You know, when you go to college, there's degrees that you can get yes. into, but these companies are looking for very elite degrees. But when they see you coming from communities and these specialized training schools like yourself, are they looking more at those or partnerships with you for that? And that's how you can build this bridge of getting them in the door faster? Or tell me a little bit about how that works, because... A lot of people want to get the skills today and they don't have the money or the time to devote to a four-year college in computer science, but they can do something today to help them build that bridge, correct? Yes. So anyone that's listening to this podcast early 2022, it's a new world. And so everything that we all kind of understood to be the case pre-COVID really has changed. Yes. We all just have to recognize that even before COVID wave hit in March of 2020, we all were really much living our lives online, right? Yes. We'd all go to lunch or we'd go to dinner. Everyone's on their phone. Everyone's on Facebook. Right. Everyone's playing on their phone. Everyone's playing a game or they're text messaging a friend. We've all been on Facebook forever. So there was this period when we were living a lot of our life online and then COVID hit and then that just further accelerated a trend and a pathway we were already on. Right. And so because of that acceleration, you have to have employers like people at Facebook, people at Grubhub, people at walmart.com that need so many humans to create and to manage the software that drives all of our daily activity, right? then it all makes sense to you that it's the only logical conclusion to that is that you can become a technical professional without a four-year degree. You can also become a technical professional without being a STEM or math expert. That is another thing that a lot of people don't understand. Wow. A lot of people think that you use math as a proxy for problem solving, but it's actually a terrible proxy for people who are smart and who are problem solvers. 
So what people just need to consider if they want to participate in this innovation economy is, am I willing to do the work? Am I willing to sit down, learn the rules of software development? Am I willing to network on places like LinkedIn? Am I willing to put myself out there on Twitter? Am I willing to go out there on Facebook and say, hey, I have these skills who need technical professionals as part of their team? If you're willing to do those two things, then a career in tech is available for you. There really are no excuses left. Right. You cannot say, <laughs> well, I didn't do it in college. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Well, I didn't go to college at all. Who cares? No one cares. The only thing that people care is, do you have the skills which you can pick up? And are you willing to work hard to go through the process to secure a job? So the future really is in your hands. And you really don't have an excuse if you want to participate and be a technical professional. Right. It really is, especially now and the Central Valley, all the way down to Los Angeles, there is a huge tech innovation wave that is happening. And it is trying to garner a lot of community members into learning coding, learning a technical skill set. And you hit the nail on the head, Liliana, is that technical innovation is now. And not only that, but the demographics of our community is influencing a lot of purchasing power. It's also impacting a lot of technical innovation into big brands on how they communicate with us. So if we have that technical knowledge or skills to be in those companies, like you said, or even small businesses that are trying to leverage their business and community with technology and services, that's just a win-win for everybody, right? Yes, absolutely. And that just builds community up together. Yes. But one of the big things that is going to enable that is that everyone in the Latino community has to have a paradigm shift and we have to stop gatekeeping we as Latinos have to stop thinking like, well, but if and or um, like it's got to end. I've interacted with so many counselors from high school, so many people who work in community colleges. And they're always like, well, my students really aren't that good at math or well, they only have an associate. You know, it's like the barriers are gone. It's about are you going to get skills? That's the type of movement that we're in. A great example of this, I don't know if everyone has seen what's happening in Miami, but when COVID hit, the mayor of Miami is like, hey, come here. Let's establish Miami as a tech ecosystem. And he is moving the needle, right? Which is what a bunch of other mayors should have done, right? Years ago, other mayors and you know governors should have said, look, we're going to make our city the friendliest place for tech and for innovation and not say, well, hum and ha about why it can't be done because there really are no excuses. And so if you follow the mayor of Miami and you see how he interacts, how open-minded he is, he is going to create, you know, a trillion dollar plus tech ecosystem in Miami out of sheer will and having a positive can-do attitude. And that's really all that you need. Yep. And, you know, it's happening in the Central Valley right now with Bitwise Industries, with Irma Olgan, who is the CEO, who has just built a technology ecosystem from the ground up. 
you know, she was a computer science engineer. She was a software engineer. And she grew up in Del Mar, which is like the tiniest little community outside of Fresno. It's an ag little town, farm working community. Her story is amazing. And here she is running a multi-million dollar tech ecosystem of a training ground. And also when you do that, you're building and attracting money into the city, right? It's like a reciprocal relationship. So with you building that ecosystem for training and coding, you're also creating money going back into the community and into the system. And like you said, there is no excuse when some of the courses are free. I see on your website, you have some free courses that you can take. And then there's paid courses that you can do on there as well. And a lot of companies are looking at the hubs like yourself, like how do we partner with you to get people that we need into the business? So one of the things I wanted to ask you about, right? So what was that moment for you? Yeah, so the business was started like in the summer of 2012. So we're going into 10 years of starting the business. And it really came from a place of seeing a need. There was a need for technical talent in Los Angeles and having the expertise to provide some of that technical training. And so, you know, entrepreneurs do that. They kind of solve their own problems. They see things that are broken Mm -hmm. and, and they want to go out and fix it. I was lucky enough to have that partner, you know, Gregorio, who's my husband. He was a software engineer. And so he had the like the mechanical part of like, okay, these are the lessons. This is what we can do. And then in any good partnership, you know, I brought in the other things. My job was to help with marketing. My job was to help us find a location where we could actually have the marketing. Like I scoured all of Southern California to find Mm -hmm. free and low cost office space on the weekends so that we could actually gather and run our training program. And then I helped with some marketing. And then it's also about committing your own capital. So both Gregorio and I were already professionals. We had jobs. And so you have a certain amount of discretionary income every month when you pay your bills and all that. And the decision, you know, a lot of people make, which is a sound one, is like, you know, we're going to go take a nice family vacation. He and I were like, well, we're going to take those resources and we're going to pay for office space. We're going to buy it. So whether it's with a family member that you decide to launch a business or another friend or family person that shares your values that you complement, you can go ahead and start to put together your resources, your expertise and your treasure and your time. And together you can put together a foundation that then allows you to start launching your business and getting people to pay you. So there's many ways to go through the path of entrepreneurship. But was there something specific where you said, I want to help community in this regard for you to start the business? So for me, it's ever present, right? Because I came to the United States at the age of five and my local community that was primarily, you know, Latino, they would not enroll me in their local school. They bust us out to a very white, ridiculously affluent community in West LA. So from the age of like five to forever, I've always been in a space where I'm the one Latina out of, you know, whatever X number of Caucasian people. So it's been ever present. I went to, you know, Wellesley College there. I was at an all women's college, which is fantastic. They're all women, but it was predominantly white women. 
So I took a leadership role there. I worked, I was the president of the Latina organization called Mezcla. And so I, Gregorio and I actually met in college and he and I met because of the community work that we were doing. So Gregorio and I have always just been about community empowerment. Once we had our children, once we were working here in Los Angeles, that problem that presented itself was the lack of diversity in tech. And so, you know, we talked about it and we and we just saw like, hey, this is a big issue, especially when you're in a place like Los Angeles, where a majority of the population right. is Latino. And then when he would go out to try to hire people, he had a really hard time finding Latinos to apply to wow. his positions. And so I was just like, look, then we need to solve that problem. Right. So let's let's come together. I will help you. We literally did like some of our first brainstorming was on construction paper because our kids were like two <laughs> at the time. I had crayons and construction paper right. everywhere. And I was like, look, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. There was like three or four like key things we wanted mm -hmm. to accomplish. And that's how we said, look, we're going to fix this problem that we're seeing. 10, 15 years from now, we might come across a different problem and say, okay, we're going to be the ones to fix it. So that's just kind of who we are. So it wasn't like a specific incident that happened. It was just like an accumulation of his work and my work and our likelihood that we like community and we wanted to help empower more people in LA. Right. I think the other thing that people need to think about when they think about the world of tech is that there's like four to five major areas that are available to people. So we specialize in the world of software engineering, and that's when you're creating some type of a website or an application. There's also a whole other domain of expertise that's very creative. There are people that just design right. things, right? Like how should something look? What colors? What font? Then there are people who write all the copy, right? So if you're just really good with copy, with writing, you love words, you love putting together impactful phrases and marketing, there's a place for you in the world of tech. There's also a really big opening that's happening around cybersecurity. If you like monitoring things, if you like creating processes, if you like testing people to see if they're going to get caught in a phishing exercise, right. that's a whole other world. So I think that if anyone's listening to this, you kind of have to just do a little bit of high level assessment for yourself and say, okay, what kind of things am I good at? And how does that correlate to the world of tech? And what are the resources that are available for me to start to develop some of those skills? Because in the world of like cybersecurity, there are a lot of free certification courses because vendors want you to learn their software and they will help you get certified so that there's a workforce that knows how to use that software, right? So we see a lot of people who are like CompTIA or A plus certified and things like that. That is in the world of cybersecurity. In the world of software engineering, you're not going to get certified because when you go for a job, they're going to test you before they come in. So they don't care what certificate you have. You need to show them in real time how you solve problems. And then there's the other world, like if you're going to be creative there, you do need to have a portfolio that says, look, I redesigned my school's website. Look, I redesigned this e-commerce site that my tia does with her yes. cutting boards. I redesigned <laughs> my primo's barbershop's website and he's now doing twice as many applications. So each vertical of tech has its own, what I like to call like song and dance. 
and you have to first determine what is it that you want to do? What are your skills? What do you, what do you already bring to bear? And then understand how that correlates in, in tech. And then what is that unique pathway? Because it's not all the same. So there's like two little assessments that people need to do before they then go into deep dive and say, okay, I'm going to commit to this path and it requires A, B, and C. So we're going to take a quick break. Comunidad, right now in this podcast, we're talking about leveling up your skill set and bringing education to the forefront of how we build better communities and how we have the power of technology in our hands. I've been saying this through many podcasts, but how do we get there? You know, these podcasts are made to be an ecosystem for us to, you know, find our partners, to find our business of where we can level up and partner with other community members, how we want to activate community. You know, one of the things I say is sign up for our newsletter at latinasb2b.com so you can stay informed about these community champions, businesses, and also the seminars we will be hosting. If you'd like to learn more again about how we're activating community and trying to provide an ecosystem, a network for you to have resources in Comunidad, go to latinasb2b.com. Gracias. So I want to ask you this one question because it does apply to not just our community, but many communities of color, especially in the rural areas. But how do we build the bridge for the digital divide? Because there are some communities, right, that have some education in tech or there are some programs but there's still this divide of resources and how do we get to parity of people being able to at least try to get the skills that they need. But it's just a really big thought for me with a lot of communities that still are struggling to get access, you know, to basic technology. Yeah, so I think it's it has to be a two-pronged approach, right? So yesterday I woke up in the morning and I went to a press conference where a bunch of people got together for political action. So if you live in a community that is underserved as it relates to high-speed internet, Wi-Fi spots, like you have to show up to your elected officials and say, what are you doing to make sure that Comcast, Spectrum, AT&T brings connectivity to this community, right? You have to push that envelope and you have to get involved to hold your local elected officials accountable because a lot of the tech companies, they need permits. They also buy and sell to the government. So there's a big incentive to get AT&T to wire up a specific community, right? So you have to do that. And then you have to be proactive and say, look, if my only high-speed activity happens at the library, then you have to arrange your schedule so that you can go and use those resources that are available, right? But what you cannot do is just throw your hands up in the air and say, well, it's not here, therefore I have an excuse. Like, I was raised with such few resources. Like, I walked forever. We never had a car. My mom did not own a car while I was growing up. She didn't even know how to drive. Okay. But she was like, look, I know my RTD. That's what it was called LA back then the the bus. She's like, I know my RTD buses routes and we will go, you know, 20, 30, 40 miles on public transport. Right. 
I had like really bad stomach problems for, for some time. And we had to travel like two to three hours to go wow. to doctors. And she's like, we're doing it on the bus. She wasn't like, well, the clinic's not here, mija, and your tia won't drive us. There was like no excuses. It was like, if this is the only thing we have, which is public transport, that's what we're going to do. Who cares? It's going to take three hours. So people have to use their political capital, right? You have to put pressure on your local elected officials and you have to use whatever is available, which is probably going to be something like a library, maybe a high school or a middle school that will have high-speed connectivity to give you access to those resources that you need. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. And political capital, that is huge. And that is paramount, actually, this year for a lot of elections, especially now. This is an election year. We got to say it all day, every day through November. Yeah, you got to get the vote out. And you do have to press those officials, especially if you're listening in other states. This is so paramount. We cannot stress it enough. We're not just talking about the Internet. It's like everything that's affecting community. This is just one, but it is a major one because I don't know if you all know it, but brown and black folks mobilize through social media platforms and they're doing their own videos, right? It's big. And so this is all a great conversation. And I love that about using your political capital because everybody here has that. So I want to talk about your women in tech program. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, so Sabia was started with the goal of helping more women and people of color become exceptional software engineers. And as we did more work in the space, we realized that there's a big gender wealth gap. So women who are looking to participate in a program like Sabio are going to come into the space with fewer economic resources. So one of the things that we do is that we have two different options for women who are in a position to prepay tuition. They receive a $500 scholarship. So that lowers their tuition drastically. For women that can't prepay tuition, they just can come into the program. They finish, they get a job, and once they're working, they make very comfortable payments of $199 per month. So those are the two different options that women have available to them if they want to launch their career in tech. I see. And is there job placement in that program that you help them get? Oh, yeah, of course. Everything that we do, especially if someone's going to come to us and not pay tuition, the whole point is to help them. The program is about four months long. And so every month has a different theme, so to speak. And so the last month, uh, about 50% of your time is focused on job prep. Cool. That's awesome. So there's like job 101, understanding what you need to do using your skill set that you've just gained from Sabio. Exactly. It's a whole comprehensive four months that gives you the technical skills that you need It gives you a community of support and it gives you all of the tactical toolkit that you need to land a job in tech. It's a comprehensive program. So every single day, your day is structured, you know, from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And the whole day is structured with different activities that are going to lead to you landing a job in tech. Because in order for you to accomplish that, you have to not only have technical skills, You also have to have, you know, your resume, a LinkedIn profile, GitHub repo, and you have to know how to interview in tech because that's its own other beast. Yes, it is its own beast. (laughs) It really is its own beast. And I see here that you have a 
program for vets, right, to help them get into or established into tech using those skills. I'd love to hear about that because I think more programs need to be established like that because I think going to school and just getting a degree is awesome. But again, it takes time. And if you have a family and you're coming out of that program in the government, you really have to work fast. So can you explain a little bit about that and how it's applicable or the transfer of skills to your program or how it helps them? Because there's a lot of women vets. Yeah. So the VA has done an amazing job of providing people who have served in the military with a number of different benefits that allows them to participate in the Sabio Coding Bootcamp or a number of other coding bootcamps across the country. They even have a program that's called VRAP. This stands for Veteran Rapid Retraining Program for people that have finished their post 9-11 educational benefits. Wow. So if someone went through, they used their GI Bill, they got a degree in psychology, and now they want to transition into tech, there is a specific program from the VA that allows them to train in tech. So the government and the VA are all about getting veterans into tech. Wow. There's a massive, massive effort. So you just have to go to the VA, look at your e-benefits and see which one of the many benefits you qualify for. There's also vocational rehab. So if you need additional assistance guided through a vocational counselor, they will help you with like some stipends for equipment, for clothing. They help you with additional interviewing and they will pay the tuition to any program that they seem to like. So if you want to do whatever it is in your local neighborhood and that school is not approved, your vocational rehab officer has basically carte blanche to help you get the exact technical training that you need. So for for veterans, there's so many amazing opportunities. We've had an opportunity to work with hundreds of them and the job market absolutely adores them. We've worked very closely with Amazon. They have a specific program for technical um, military officers. Facebook has a pathway for military veterans. Deloitte, Accenture, every major company that you can think of is more than happy and eager to hire a veteran that has technical skills. Wow, that's impressive. Well, there are a lot of people that have already gone. There are tons of military veterans that are out there. I don't know the number. I don't know how many people separate every year. And because we are drawing down forces from Afghanistan and from the Middle East, we're going to get more veterans who may not extend their contracts and stuff like that. But there are tons of opportunities. And the decision to enter the military is a very personal one. It's something that people need to, you know, make in consultation with their friends, their family members. That whole ball of wax is a personal decision. I, I don't have any information on that because I did not serve. And I don't have any family members that served. So I don't know what that process looks like. But there's a lot of resources out there for people who are making that decision. Yeah, I see the program there. And I think it's absolutely amazing and a great opportunity for people to sign up through your program if they are a military vet or they're coming out of that. And they're like, I need to re-up my skills, right, for something. So, you know, the whole point of this podcast and why we're talking about the tech skill set and to level up, right? Because that's what I started talking about. You know, this is the year of the big reset. It's about closing the wealth gap for community. How do we do that? Because we have been set back 
financially from COVID. You know, we've had to restructure our entire lives around this pandemic. And it is still going to be a struggle. And there is still going to be opportunities for us to take advantage of. And I think, if anything, using the free resources that are available through Sabio is one, or other tech websites like Google. I know you can do some Google certifications for free. How we're going to be working in healthcare, you know, moving forward is another big one. Because, I mean, if you don't have healthy communities, you know, we can't all rise together. That's a big thing. And then second is when we're talking about closing the wealth gap here, it's not like, oh, I have to get into tech to close the wealth gap. It's just having the basic knowledge of the job you want to do that is going to support community and technology surrounds us everywhere. You hold it in the palm of your hand. You're looking at it through your television. You know, as you said in the opening of this podcast, there's really no excuse for us to kind of level up the skill set and add it to whatever it is you want to do, because that's just going to add more benefit to your ask in negotiating in a job interview or in your job, current job that you have today. Yeah. If you Google, there's always these funny stories about people in random industries who figure out a way to automate their jobs <laughs> without their, it's so, have you seen those? No. It's like, I fit. Yes, you, like there, there are things that are called like no code. There are things like Zapier. Oh, Zapier. Say, mm-hmm. Yeah, where people are like, I pull this report automatically and it converts it into this. And like in 10 minutes, my job is done and my boss doesn't know that I have a bot doing the job. <laughs> right. So this can happen in every industry, which is another really important part that is that, is that we talk about tech. And of course, we talk about, you know, Amazon, Facebook, yada, yada, yada. But our grads end up working at places like a law firm. Mm. You would not realize, but law firms need their own software engineers. We have people that have worked for the LA Dodgers. Wow. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're like a sports fanatic, you can go and you can work at your favorite NBA team. And if they win a championship, you get to take a picture with the trophy. You are part (laughs) of that winning team. Wow. Right. So it's not, it, it, like when I say like that, we really need to disentangle everything that we think about tech. It's true. I had a friend who they're like, I'm going to apply to the Utah Jazz front end developer position every single year because I need to work for that team. I love that team. And so if you love the Food Network, right, food.com, like they have massive websites. So any industry needs technical professionals. And that's something that people really need to keep in the forefront of their mind as well. I love that. It's absolutely true. I mean, I try to think back to like, well, if I didn't work in the tech, well, it's just the Bay Area. It's a natural attraction. But what would I do? And I always think it has to do with something with music, right? So music is a is a big industry. There's a lot of streaming platforms today. You know, how can I attribute a tech skill or build a platform if you want to really go deep to stream music. These companies just don't fall out of the sky, right? Like Spotify, Pandora, they all come together from people that share a vision. They have the technical skill set. And many of them, I'm sorry to say this, they didn't finish college. They didn't need to go to college. They just had the technical aptitude and the desire. So I think we all want everybody to get a degree if they can do it. But at the same time, it's 
leveling up your skill set in technology is is really a great attribute to have, right? Yeah, no, of course. And that's the other thing. Like if you're listening to this and you're currently a college student, Mm -hmm. you should take some type of programming class. I did that. I was a bio major and I don't know like what kind of a requirement it was, but I took a web development class. And for our final project, we had to find a school organization and we had to build them a website. Right. And that is something very tangible that I had on my resume when I graduated to say I built a website for an organization that helps you stand out. That helped me for marketing, like for a marketing job. So if you are in college, you should be taking a couple of classes that help you understand how automation works, programming works, a data. You just have to look at basic reason. You can't spend your entire life online (laughs) and expect it not to have a professional repercussion. Like that just doesn't make any sense. I love that. I really love that. It's absolutely true. The light bulb's got to turn on for people. Come on, right? It's not like it's this foreign thing. Like we're on these devices all day. It's the first thing you do when you wake up, be honest. And it's the last thing you do before you go to sleep. Right. It's true. And, you know, digital detox is a real thing, people. That no one does. (laughs) (laughs) There could be a whole industry built around that. So Liliana, I want to close out here, but is there anything you'd like to close out with here talking about Sabio.LA, your programs, how we can support you? Yeah. So, I mean, I more than happy to have people visit the site, take a look at some of the free classes that we have. The cool thing about the three different courses that we have is that you're not going to be alone. So when you register for those classes, you're going to get invited to our community, which is a Sabio Slack community. And we have four times a week that we have live support. So if you start tinkering, you have questions, you need help with installing software, anything like that, we have a technical professional that's live on Zoom four times a week. So you can definitely start doing a lot of this and figure out if you are passionate about it, if it resonates with you, and if you want to take the next step. Gracias, Liliana, for joining us today on Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. If you'd like to learn more about Sabio, you can go to their website at Sabio, that's S-A-B-I-O dot L-A, and also check out their Women in Tech resource pages a wonderful opportunity to understand how more women can get into tech, which is definitely needed, especially around women of color. They have lots of videos and resources, and you can schedule a one-on-one 10-minute session with them. So that's sabio.la, and it's Liliana Monje, and you can find her on LinkedIn, Twitter, and also Facebook. So go check them out. I love this podcast, and gracias, mi gente. This podcast was co-produced and engineered by Robert Lopez of latinasb2b.com. It was also sponsored by 5E Leadership and Marketing of latinasb2b.marketing. If you'd like to learn more, please follow and subscribe to us through our newsletter or reach out to us through Instagram at latinasb2b. And that's also our handle on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Please subscribe and tell your friends about our podcast. 
We look forward to speaking with you again, mi gente. Gracias.